Hey, thank you for listening for the to the first part of Love versus Lust. Here now is the conclusion. Also, on a side note, um, pardon the audio sometimes. We're still trying to work on that to fix that to make that better. But anyway, here's the conclusion. Here's a part two of Love versus Lust. Thank you for um, joining this. We're going to be adding more episodes during this week. All right. Thank you and God bless. Take care. to that question later on. So the next question is, I want to give this to Pastor Catherine Edehere. And I think this is something that sometimes a lot of people deal with. You meet someone, you have a lot in common, you, you and the person talk, you chat, everything like that. And you believe in your heart, this is the person that I want to marry, but maybe this person doesn't believe the same thing that you believe. In other words, this person isn't a Christian, but this person is a good person. This person respects their parents, respects everybody else. This person is a good person on the outside. But the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. So the question is this. We have a lot in common. I want to marry her, but she isn't a Christian. But she's a good person. Why does the Bible say it's wrong? So this question is for Pastor Catherine Idehiri, and the floor is yours. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Very interesting question. Good evening. How um, the Bible says in the book of Amos, chapter 3, verse 3, that can two work together except they are in agreement. Every time I look at my relationship, I always want to refer to that scripture on how the relationship either helps me to draw closer to God or, you know, take me farther away from God. So in the question of a life partner, someone that would that is supposed to become one with you, not sharing your faith, all your value is a very dangerous place any man or any woman can put themselves. No matter how good someone is, the Bible says that no one is good because of the sin of Adam. Forget what you see on the face. Forget the niceness. May the devil not take over anyone. The Bible says that if the very elect are not even careful, if God does not come on time, probably none of us are going to be here. So having to make a a a, a life lifelong decision of living with someone, of sharing with someone, of becoming one with someone who is not a Christian is a very dangerous thing. I would not encourage it. I would not approve of it. It's a different thing for you not to know Christ and you get married. 
then you can say, okay, I am praying for my spouse. However you know Christ, you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and the only person that fantasizes you in the whole world is someone who is not a Christian, that is, the person does not share your faith. In time of trouble, how does this person stand for you? How does he pray for you? When the ships are down, where do you turn to? If the person, if the only place the person knows is uh, uh, Santa Maria, or even if it is, even if it is not Santa Maria, not anything spiritual, maybe it's just even a medical issue. Let's just take a um, um, uh, 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 someone. Of course, when we all go into marriage. We never pray that things should go wrong, but things do go wrong. Let's say one of the partners is sick. When the man who is a Christian is praying, what will the woman who is not a Christian be doing? When a woman who is a Christian is praying, what will a man who is not a Christian be doing? When the doctor gives you the report and you feel like, okay, I have to take this to my father in prayer, a partner who is not, who does not believe in such things, who does not believe in divine power, what would the person subscribe to? Everything the doctor says becomes law. And then it begins to tear the home apart. Christ can never be the head of that home because there is no agreement. What, when you have children, how do you plan to raise your children? Do you plan to raise your children as atheists? Or do you just want them to be free thinkers? Or whatever. Because it takes two to tangle. And the moment that there are no shared values, the home is already being built on a very faulty foundation. Can two work together except they agree? My prayer is that anyone who finds themselves in this kind of situation loving someone who is not a Christian, two things you, you can do. Number one, leave the person. If God interviews the person, or you pray that the person should be born again. And you be genuinely believing God for that person to touch that person, for the Holy Spirit to convert, to reach that person, that you and that person may share that faith so that you can build your home on a solid rock, Jesus Christ, who can never be shaken in good, in bad, in ugly times, in all the seasons of our life. Christ will be our bedrock, and we know the end of the story. When we have this kind of mindset, we know that victory is sure. Whether we live, we win. Whether we die, we win. In all ramifications, we win because we know whose report we're believing. This is my humble contribution. Praise the Lord.
Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much, Pastor Catherine. Um, before I go on to the next question, does anybody have anything to contribute to that to that um to that question? Does anyone have anything to say to add to that question? Yeah. Um I just want to react to what um Pastor Catherine said about um you pray that the person be born again and you know, you believe God for that. Yes, it is true. You pray that the person be born again and um that can work. But let me tell you, anybody can say, I am born again for you because of you just to get you. And that is where the, the trick is. That's where the problem is. Um, I tell people, you know, before you are, be, before you are married to someone, have a full disclosure of who you are. That is the best thing that can happen. Okay. Um, I know of people that they genuinely gave their lives to Christ by the influence of the person that they want to marry or they marry. And I know people that are ministry together that the, the word, I mean, the person gave his life to Christ and it's like, genuinely, sincerely, and was growing in the Lord. However, if you just make it look like, we can work this out, don't worry, and you're trying to impress the person, cute boy meets cute girl, and you think after you now marry, you will convert the person, that is a big gamble because the person did not know you like that. They didn't know you like that. So the first thing you need to do is transparent disclosure of your faith with no apologies. Let the person know who you are. Let the person go with the eyes wide open. Don't hide. Don't make it look like, I'm not like all of those people. If it is meant to be yours, that God himself will be glorified that person will see Jesus in you and will be attracted to the Jesus in you. And the person can genuinely come to the Lord Jesus Christ because of you. And both of you will serve God together. But if you want to hide that part of you, and you only want to show how cute, how macho, how beautiful, whatever, whatever, to impress the person, and then you and the person now eventually get to marry, and now you're trying to now show I'm really, really a Christian, that might be a, a big challenge. So start off with who you are and let the person go into that relationship with their eyes wide open. What is yours is yours, and God has the best for you. Don't be afraid and don't be apologetic and don't hide your relationship with Jesus. The Bible says, you do not hide the light. You don't put it under the bushel. You put it on the on the on on the on on, on the lamp stand that will give light. Let your light so shine. So let your light shine. Let people know who you are in Christ. Don't be apologetic. Don't hide it. God Almighty is going to give you your best. That is going to glorify Him. 
and give you joy and peace in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Yes. Um, I'm going to go on to the next. Actually, this is actually perfect because that question is going to lead on to the next one that I have for Pastor Darren Osa. And it's imagine, you know, two people, they meet, they love each other. They're in a committed relationship. And, you know, I'm not going to say whether they're professing Christians or not, but they're in a committed relationship and they're doing everything that a married couple is doing, meaning they are living as if they're married, but they're not actually married. They're living under the same roof, everything like that. Is there anything wrong with that? So this question is for Pastor during, and he reads this like this. If two people are in a committed relationship and are doing everything a married couple is doing, is there anything wrong with that? So Pastor during the floor is yours. Good evening, everyone. Praise the Lord. Good evening. Amen. Okay, so um gonna try my best here to to do based on what I was led to to read because I was just gonna go with a quick answer, but I, um I prayed and um this is what I was led. Um I was looking at Philippians one um verse ten and um depending on the version you read, um Amplified says so that you may learn to recognize and treasure what is excellent identifying the best and distinguishing moral differences and that you may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, actually living lives that lead others away from sin. The message version actually says, um, so uh, from 9 to 11 of the same Philippians chapter one, it says, so this is my prayer that your love will flourish and that you will not only love much, but well, learn to love appropriately you, you need to use your head and test your feelings so that your love is sincere and intelligent, not sentimental gush. Live a lover's life, circumspect and exemplary, a life Jesus will be proud of, bountiful in fruits from the soul, making Jesus Christ att- attractive to all, getting everyone involved in the glory and praise of God. And the part that stuck with me in the message version was making Jesus Christ attractive to all and the more I was looking at it um marriage is a committed relationship if you want to break it down to the little and good it is a relationship of two committed individuals a man and a woman who agree in the eyes of God and with witnesses to say that they're going to enter into um, partnership and um, it is ordained by God the certificate that is obtained is usually so that it also shows proof to people and also proof to the government or the nation that this this is a partnership that these two people have um, entered. Um, I know there are also legal ramifications of marriage. We look at it from um, that angle as well. There are a lot of things that come with marriage. And the way I saw it is um, if you look at, um, if you go to buy, if, if we both have a specific um, phone, or a specific laptop, and it comes with a specific warranty. I can't take one brand of a, of a phone, or let's say take, I can't take my Windows computer and take it to an Apple store and expect them to fix it if, because I didn't even buy it from them, and there's no warranty there. Same way I can't take the Apple computer to somebody who's handling a Windows computer and expect them to fix it. So at the baseline, they're both computers, but the warranty 
is based on where you're getting it from. Now, a marriage is a committed relationship. There are two people in, that are in a relationship that are also saying, oh, we're committed, we're good people, we're, we're not seeing other people, we communicate. In fact, we are, we're pretty much are doing everything except calling ourselves a married couple or except going, going ahead and committing to the word of marriage or at least making sure that you go under God and get witnesses and make sure that you're recognized as a married couple. But you're doing everything that is replicating a marriage. So there are blessings that come with marriage. But guess what? Almost like the warranty, I take, if I take my Windows laptop to an Apple store, I'm not going to get the benefits of them fixing my computer because I, I don't have the right equipment. So you're duplicating the marriage, but the blessings that come with a marriage, you're not going to have access to them because it's not, it's not, it's almost like the knockoff version of the real thing. So you're copying everything, but you're not going to get the blessings that come with marriage. And I think if this is, if this is a, if I make the assumption that the people that are asking this question are committed, uh, are Christians, um, then that also calls the question, what part of the Bible are you picking and choosing to suit your specific needs? Because I have to now look at it from, okay, are you living a life that, is, that Jesus will be proud of? Are you living a life that will make, make Jesus Christ attractive to other people? Are you living a life that is exemplary? Because people, whether we like it or not, even whether you have 10 people that look up to you or two people, there's always somebody watching. So it's one thing as Christians for us to preach, but our actions sometimes speak louder than the words we will ever speak. So if you're going to say that you're, you're Christians and you're doing this, what example are you sending out? And before people not think that, oh, but hey, we're living together and we're not cheating. What's the big deal? Technically, we're married. It's in the Bible. If you look at when um, God was, when Jesus spoke with a Samaritan woman by the well, she specifically, he asked her, said, are you go, um, go bring your husband. And in John 4, 4, 16 to 18, she said, I have no husband, she said. Uh, and uh, she, um, Jesus was like, that's, so, that's very true. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't your husband. So that tells us right there that there is, that God will recognize, God recognizes marriage because he's the author of it, and you replicating it. You're not going to get the blessings of marriage because God is not seeing it as a marriage. So you can do all the things that according to um, the relationship, you're, you're replicating it, but it's not seen in the eyes of God as a, as a partnership. So the only thing I'll just say in conclusion is that hey, for any Christ follower, if you want to go in the things of God and you want to be more like Christ, since we're all, I'm not saying anyone is perfect. We all have areas in our life that we need to deal with, but that's the journey of, 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 of after you've given your life and the journey to renewing your mind and becoming more and more like him is that some things that you held so dearly, you're going to have to let go of. Some things that you think are right, you're going to have to release because this is not, um, it's not um, showing a good example. So I would say that ask yourself, am I walking in obedience to the word of God? Um, our actions as a couple is in making it uh, is in making Jesus attractive to other couples. If you're in a partnership with this person, is in making Jesus attractive to other couples when they see us, especially since they know we're not married. And then you now also ask, ask yourself, right, would Jesus be proud of the way I am living? And if you can't answer those questions and come out having the peace of God, then you have to check yourself and look at what you're doing. Because scripture says we should honor marriage, 
and as children of God, we need to be obedient. And it tells us also in Hebrews 13, 4, marriage is to be held in honor among all. That is regarded as something of great value. So when you cheapen it by replicating it in your own knockoff version, you're cheapening the, the, what, what, the, what marriage is supposed to be. And the marriage with the bed on this out, and I think Pastor has alluded to this already, is, is, is considered a morality of sin. And God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. You're just attracting judgment to yourself. So I would say if these are people that are Christians and have been in a committed relationship for this long, I don't see what is stopping them from just going to a court or going to a pastor and saying, look, we want to get married and let's bring honor to this and stop doing a knockoff. So that's my take on that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you very much for that for that, uh, for that answer. Um, that was really well thought out and that was really in depth. Is there anybody that wants to add on to that? Because I have actually have a, as she was, as Pastor Dear was speaking, a follow-up question came to me, but before I, I put that question forward, is there anybody that wants to, to add on to that, what she just said? Okay. All right. So the follow-up question that, that, that I have here is, can those two living together, right, from the follow-up question passage there, can those two living together still be considered Christians if, and this is the, this, the, this, the question, this is the big point, if they see nothing wrong, is can you then question their salvation or is that something that we don't even bother? So the question, the follow-up question, anybody can answer this. This is open to anyone to answer. Can those two living together still be considered Christians, one, if they see nothing wrong, and two, can you question their salvation? So this question is open to anyone that feels free to answer. The floor is still open to anyone. Amen. Thanks a lot. Yes, um, can they be considered Christians? Yes. If they see nothing wrong with it. They're going uh, to church, they, they pay their tithes, they're in their they're part of the church. They see nothing wrong with it. Can they still be considered Christians as per the definition of what the, the Bible says is a Christian? The truth of the matter is that only God knows. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only God knows. Yeah. The Bible says that man judge by what they see. But God does not judge by what He says. God judge your heart. So you, you know yourself whether you are a Christian or you are not a Christian. You yourself, you know whether you are Christ follower or you are not a Christ follower. Your pastor, your mother, your father, your husband, your friend, they will not be there with you on the judgment throne. So you want to deceive your pastor, praise the Lord, hallelujah. Your pastor will face his own or our own. You want to deceive your husband? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But to me, I feel that it's a personal thing. 
the word Christian, yes, they behave like Christ. That is why in Antioch they say, oh, these ones, they are behaving like Christ. But the world is so used loosely now that mere bearing of John, they will call you a Christian. So when people say, I am a Christian, I thank God for them. And I pray that they will truly follow Christ in all their ways and in all they do. So the fact that, oh, would they be considered Christians or not is the least to me of the problem. Is where if Christ come at that point and they live that kind of life, what will be their lot? What will be my lot? So uh, it, it, we all speak a lot of Christianese. We've been quoting Bible all this. The Bible even says that not all that call me Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of God. We are talking about sexual sins. There are so many other things so that will not make people to enter the kingdom of God and they still call themselves Christians. So I, I, I just pray that each and every one of us can truly consider our ways and say, oh Lord, you are truly my Lord, my Savior, and I want to walk in your ways. And I want people to see you in me all the time that at the at the last day i will not be a castaway praise the lord amen thank you very much for that amen all right um thank you for that answer to that follow-up question um the last question um i don't know if sister natalie is is sister natalie here or no yes yes oh, you are? Okay. no problem all right so the last question is for you, and it says, how do I stop the thoughts from coming into my head? The thoughts meaning lust, lustful thoughts. Isn't it normal to have these kind of thoughts about people you are attracted to? So, Sister Natalie, the floor is yours. Hallelujah. 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 <sighs> I would say that it is normal because our flesh is weak, but it doesn't make it right in the eyes of God. Um, you know, the thoughts of sex is designated for a marriage, the way you think of your husband or wife, right, but not, of, not towards the people that you are not married to. Um and as for your thought process, like if you can stop it, you can definitely change it because the Holy Spirit that we have on the inside of us empowers us to control our entire being. In Galatians chapter 5, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you, you are able to control those thoughts. You are able to cast down imaginations, the Bible says. 
You know, when those moments come, you speak to you speak to the Holy Spirit. You know, God, I'm having these thoughts. I'm having this trouble. Right? Confess your thoughts, and I need your help. I need you. And the Bible says in Philippians four four eight, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be anything praiseworthy, think on these things. And that's in the New King James Version. It tells us to meditate on these things. So you're going you're gonna to recognize when those thoughts come up. And each and every time, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Father God, I need your help. And and you're going to meditate on the word of God. You're going to meditate on the good things. You're going to get up and you praise him. I got to be honest, that happens to me. And in those moments, you have to get up and you have to praise him. You have to give him worship. And the very moment you do that, I promise you, your thoughts become new. You're putting on the mind of God, the mind of Christ. Your thoughts become his thoughts. And the more you do it, the easier it will become. And that's all I have to say on that. Amen. Thank you very much, Sister Nami. Um I just want to also add on to that, um, from Second Timothy chapter Second Timothy chapter two, verse twenty two, and it says flee also youthful lust. But it doesn't stop right there in that in that verse. It says, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So flee also youthful lust, but then you replace that by pursuing righteousness. So as you're seeking after God, at the same time, you're also fleeing youthful lust. So they work hand in hand. You're seeking after God, you're fleeing youthful lust. But if you just try and I'm going to stop thinking about this and you don't replace that with the word of God, What's going to happen over time is that those thoughts will come back to you in a vengeance, and then it now becomes overwhelming, and then you don't know what to do, and then you're not given to that. So I want to encourage you today, if you're, if you're someone that is having those kind of thoughts that are coming to you, and we all struggle with different things. If you're having those kind of thoughts, the Bible says, flee youthful lust, but it doesn't stop there, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. And look at it says here, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So I think it's important to know who is in your inner circle, who is in your crowd, who is in your inner circle. Are those in your inner circle, are they going after God with a pure heart or are their hearts defiled and they're looking at other things? Because it's hard for you to seek after God if you're allowing people that are in your inner circle that are not seeking after God. Because evil company will, will corrupt good manners. So I want to thank uh, Sister Natalie for that. That's very important that you have to put on the mind of Christ. So what I'm getting for what you're saying tonight is that it has to be intentional. It can't be just be a passive kind of thing, well, you know, these thoughts are happening to me, and you just lay back. It has to be intentional. You cry out to God, you ask him to help you. And that's when you now replace those thoughts that you're having with the word of God. So I want to encourage everyone today that if you're struggling with love, if you're struggling with lust, if you're struggling with all these kind of things, if you're struggling with anything that you know is not of God, I want you to encourage you today to, Seek after God, especially during this time when we're all in quarantine, when we're all in shut-in, that you seek after him and that as you're seeking after him, those thoughts that used to hold you bound now begin to lose its grip on you. 
Because as you're seeking after him, you're going closer to God. You're in the same time moving further and further away from those thoughtful, from those, from those thoughts. And as you do that, you now begin to have more of the mind of Christ. You now begin to come more Christ. You now begin to have more of the fruits of the Spirit. So I want to thank Sister Natalie for that, for that very uh, well thought out answer. And before we end, I just want to ask if there's anybody that has any contribution to that, or if anybody has any contribution to the topic today, which is love versus lust. If there's anything that's in your heart that you want to share, please go ahead and share at this time. Um, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay. Um, in the area of that plea, um, um, useful loss of faith, um, that's the thought. Um, I want us to know, understand that even from a Christian, whether you're young, you're an adolescent, or even maturing, there's always going to be some kind of thought coming through. So I don't want us to make the assumption that I've dealt with it today and it's done. And I think we also have to understand that just because the thought came in does not make you a bad person or does not mean that it's a struggle immediately. It's what we do with the thought. It's how we cast it down. It's how we now pull it down that makes the difference. So I, I want to understand that it doesn't mean that, okay, I thought of this today and it came again tomorrow. It now means that, oh, gosh, what is wrong with me? No, it just means that you have, you, you have to actively. It's, when it says renewing our mind, it's a daily, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be, it's a process. So we have to understand that this is part of us also growing, that we have to continually do that. That's what I wanted to say. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Quickly, amen. Yeah. Quickly, praise the Lord. The Bible says we should cast down imaginations and every thought that exerts, um, installs itself against the knowledge of Christ. How do we do that? It is by condemning what God condemns. When a thought comes to you, do not defend it, even if others say it's okay. Let the word of God be judged. Take time to call it out. You spirit of lies, I condemn you. And I tell you to take your guilty hand off my mind. You spirit of pornography, I judge you, I condemn you. And I command you to take your field hand off my mind. Or whatever it is that you're struggling with, you must cast it down in the name of Jesus. By calling it out, and God called it out, it is sin, condemn it, cast it out in the name of Jesus. The weapon of your warfare is not the mighty true God to the pulling out of strongholds. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay, the time is almost um, over. I'd like to thank all of you for being on the Secular Youth Connect. Um, I'd like to thank all of all our contributors for preparing, for um, allowing God to use you to speak to those that are going through things. Um, I want to remind you again that um, we meet every Tuesday at 9 p.m. And that if you have any questions or comments or anything like that, go to www.myhomeofmiracles.org 
and you there's a form right there on the on the on the um, on the launch page and you can fill out your questions and everything your name you don't have to put your name in there that's optional so you can put it there if you want if you don't if you don't want to that's fine okay so i'd like to thank again all our contributors i want to honor each and every one of you i pray that god will continue to give you wisdom and more understanding in the name of jesus Thank you again for listening to Love vs. Lust Part 2, the conclusion. Um, every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern, we're on at 1-866-313-5666. And this week, we'll be adding more episodes that are recorded. So be on the lookout on Spotify, on Anchor, on Apple Podcasts, and on the major podcast networks you'll be on. Okay, so God bless you and take care. Bye-bye.